Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning. There's more of this out there. They dumped it somewhere. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on me. The bear. It did cocaine. A bear did cocaine. Hello and welcome to the stew with J2 Brew. We've got a special episode tonight. Toast. We are going to talk movie review cocaine bear one we went and saw a while back together we've been wanting to talk about this movie for a long time so if you haven't joined us before usually we're a football podcast we're a hockey podcast we talk fantasy we talk gambling but we're gonna you know mix it up a little bit tonight and we are gonna do a movie review of cocaine bear toast i know you're a huge horror movie aficionado pumped to be talking movies with you tonight yeah, JT, this is great. Um, uh, we figure, you know what, maybe every five episodes we'll switch it up and uh, and do a movie review, something random. Uh, and uh, J- JT, you're right. I'm, I'm a huge horror movie fan, but also just a fan of movies in general. And uh, JT, I'm not really sure how you got into podcasting, but really um, actually listening to podcasts, that is. I got to listening to podcasts probably back in 2013, 2014 when I really got into a lot of TV shows. Uh, a lot of movies I'd actually watch as well, uh, especially um, maybe the Star Wars uh, uh, franchise. So I'd start to find podcasts I was interested in at that time. And really, ever since 2014, so maybe the last 10 years, I've listened to podcasts daily since then. So uh, pretty pumped to be doing a movie review, considering like we're going back to the roots. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I got into podcasts just uh, listening to sports, uh, getting on, on listening to different things. Uh, started listening to like a lot of comedians. Uh, over the years, Joe Rogan was one I got into. A couple of friends were like, hey, send me some random podcasts he had with different comedians or interesting people. Got into that, started getting into other comedians from there. Uh, then, you know, listen to some music, movies, those types of things. And then I listen to a million sports uh, podcasts all the time. You know, listen to stuff about gambling, stuff about uh, fantasy, uh, you know, stuff that we do as well. So, uh ton of good content out there these days you know podcasting originally you know you kind of had to search through to find some good stuff but man there's so much good stuff out there right now yeah it's great um so i really got in let's just say for example um um, and i won't go into detail about this uh, for the sake of time but uh about two weeks ago um i watched uh movie society in the, the snow um, and it was really uh, a, a remake of the movie Alive, um, but the 1972 um, Andes crash uh, in the Andes Mountains uh, for the, uh, um, a, I guess, a, a rugby team that was from Uruguay. And uh, they survived 71 days or 72 days on the mountain and uh, finally rescued themselves. And uh, there was some cannibalism actually involved there. And it was a really inspiring story, but also a very interesting story. What did I do as soon as I got done with that? I went to YouTube. I watched about every documentary I could actually find. And then I listened to about five or six different podcasts, <laughs> you know, and that's just kind of how I am. I get a little obsessive like that, but uh, um, that's, that's kind of the power of podcasting now. And uh, again, there's it, a lot more to it than just uh, fantasy sports and sports in general. Uh, uh, you really, you can, you can learn about a lot about history. Uh, you can uh, um, do a lot of things with it. So uh, hence why we're doing this tonight, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. 
Yeah, I'm the same way. I watch a movie or a documentary. I'm like immediately on my phone looking up everything I can about it, looking at the backstory, looking at everyone that was involved. I just want to know more and more about everything. So I, I'm the same way as you. I get really interested. I, I like start deep diving stuff immediately. Uh, people laugh at me all the time. My girlfriend laughs at me. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm looking up everything about this movie, everything about this documentary, because I want to know all the other stuff that we didn't see. What's 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 true, what's not true. Some of that we're going to talk about tonight as Cocaine Bear was uh, loosely based on a true story, some stuff that really happened. But obviously they took a lot of liberties with this movie. But that's kind of some of the stuff I always like to look at because I want to know, like, what was real in the movie and then what was stuff they kind of like invented or added, uh, you know, just for shock value or, you know, to add to the movie. So I always think that's always interesting when you, when you go these based on true story movies. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, JT, I'd say before we get into actually doing a full blown movie review, um, let's uh, maybe talk about some of our favorite movies. Um, I, I know I kind of have, a top five on uh, movies as well as television shows. I don't know if you had a chance to put one together, but uh, that way at least uh, listeners know kind of what, what we're, what we like, what our taste of movies are and TV shows and uh, how that may relate to the movie we're going to review tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Jump in and uh, you know, run down your list. And then I, I I'll kind of compliment you and, and go from you go movies first and then we can talk TV shows. Okay. Yeah. So I'll go uh, five through one and I'll, I won't elaborate on these too much, but I'll just go through them quickly. Um, I'm a huge history buff, uh, and I, I love anything regarding history, especially, uh, in the 1900s. Uh, so, uh, 13 days, uh, a Kevin Costner movie, uh, where he is, uh, the, uh, the assistant, uh, uh, advisor to the president of the United States during the Cuban missile crisis. Uh, that is an amazing movie. If anybody has not seen it, I probably watch it once a month. Um, I purchased it of course on prime and, uh, 13 days is great. Um, Ford vs. Ferrari, uh, number four. Uh, JT, uh, you may have actually went to the theater uh, and watched that with uh, all of us um, and uh, sitting in a theater. That was probably next to Jurassic Park in the mid-90s. That was the best theater experience as far as sound that I have ever been to. Um, that was an amazing, amazing movie. I love Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah, that's a great one. I'm a huge car buff. My dad has been digging cars, got me into racing and cars when I was a kid. When I was like eight, nine, ten years old, my entire room was nothing but Indy 500 racers, Alancer Jr., Valvoline, posters on the wall. We got huge into that, into racing. I've been to a ton of races over the years, anything from uh, stock car to Indy 500 to Formula One uh, to GT racing, like been into everything. Uh-huh. And that was a fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah. Again, had the heavy hitters in there, uh, well acted, um, and really, again, a historical story, right? Uh, based mm-hmm. on a true story uh, of the uh, Ford actually building a uh, a series of uh, a race team, really, to actually go uh, to compete at Le Mans, and uh, it was great. So, again, another movie I actually watched where I then go went and watched a million documentaries on Le Mans. So. Um, the hey, one of my all time favorite cars, the, the GT, when they came yeah. back out with the GT 40s, uh, one of my all time favorite cars. Anybody that knows me has ever like been in my house, seen I've got the four GT Golf, the light blue Golf painted cars with the Golf emblem with the stripe up them. I have a million pictures of those. I have all kinds of model cars. 
one of my all-time favorite cars ever. I just think it's the coolest car ever. Love that GT, the Golf, everything about it. So, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Yeah, at number three, uh, Hunt for Red October. Uh, this, uh, if it's my number one non-horror movie of all time, uh, for me, um, love, uh, this movie, uh, won't go into detail about it cause I'd be here all day, but number two, uh, <laughs> silence of the lambs, um, uh, Hannibal Lecter. Awesome. Jodie Foster plays a great role. Again, it's that, it's that detective on the prowl of the quote unquote mm-hmm. serial killer. And I'm really, really big in those, especially when it comes to TV shows and TV series, uh, and silence of the lambs kind of started all of that. And number one, as you guys can see behind me, uh, Halloween, the original 1978, that is my favorite movie of all time. Um, you know, uh, so John Carpenter's first major film after he actually had done a small uh, film called Precinct on 13, uh, Assault on Precinct 13, and uh, Halloween is amazing. So JT, uh, uh, how about your top five in movies? So hard for me because I love every genre. And so it's like usually when people ask me, I break them into like my top five comedies, you know, my top five documentaries, my top five thrillers, my top five horrors, because I love so many movies. So it's always hard when you want to combine them all. But I threw a list together anyway. So this is a random list combined all. So number five for me is a super like indie film. Most people don't want it is it's called Out Cold. Now, there's a few out colds out there. So if you go look it up, it's the one with Zach Galifianakis. It is hilarious. It's about a bunch of friends that work on a mountain in Alaska. They're snowboard instructors. It's just pure comedy. It's absolutely hysterical. There's so many scenes I love in that movie. So that's one of my all-time favorites is that one. Uh, Number four for me is a movie that I just cannot stop and not watch it if it's on. If it's on, I watch it every time I, I, it's just, it's the rewatchability is fantastic. And that's training day. Denzel (laughs) Washington, a ton of great movies from him, but that is my ultimate Denzel movie training day. I just love training day. Phenomenal. Um, I like the psychological thrillers, but I like stuff that's a little bit different and off the wall. People always make fun of me. They're like, you like the weirdest movies. And I'm like, because I like stuff that's different. I don't want something that's exact same as everything else. Memento is one of my all time favorite movies. Just, you know, about it. Anybody hasn't seen it about a guy who has short term memory loss. Can't remember anything past about 30, 45 seconds in. And he's on a hunt to find his wife's killer. I just think that movie is absolutely phenomenal. The way they shot it, so many different things. It jumps back and forth. It's really a mind bender. You got to like, you have to really pay attention to figure out what's going on. Love Memento. Probably my all-time favorite comedy, which is hard to say because there's so many I like. But Wedding Crashers Uh is probably my favorite comedy of all time. It's probably because I quote that movie weekly. Is it built for I speed weekly, or comfort, JT? I, absolutely. I, you know, I, I absolutely quote that movie all the time. And it's hard because there's so many I like. I love oh, there's so many other Vince Vaughn movies I love and other things. Old School is one of my all-time favorite as well. It was like right between Old School and Wedding Crashers. They're like, ah, oh, they're so close. I, I leaned Wedding Crashers just a hair, but I love Old School just as much. I, I really hate to leave Billy Madison off there because Billy Madison is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite movies. But I wanted to give a little bit of love to multiple genres. So, And then my number one favorite movie is Braveheart. 
seen that movie a yeah, million yeah. times. Absolutely loved it. I saw it in the theater a ton of times when I was in high school. Still one of my all-time favorite movies, so Braveheart. But I I like a little bit of everything. You know, I, I'll jump into my genres. I love comedy is one of my favorite, but thrillers. I love thrillers. Old school. I took a, a movie class in, in, in college and we watched a bunch of old film noir movies and got me really into film noir. I uh, love when they do them right these days. Uh, I'm into horror. You've got me more into horror than I was before. I liked horror movies, but then you've really... Uh, help me see the nuance of, of a lot of horror movies. So I like that. And I'm actually, a giant, like you said, um, with history, I'm a huge documentary buff. Yeah. A really well done documentary. I just love documentaries. I love the true stories. I love history. So that's another one of those up there for me as far as film genres. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's it's funny. You could almost, uh, you, you ever been to a job where somebody wanted you to take a uh, pace witness test um it's a personality test really and you'll score out a different color you know and uh, really what a lot of people instead of actually taking a test like that you can just see what people like to watch um th their preference of movie genres and tv uh shows as well and you could really just find that color right away uh, you can kind of see from my list the majority of them are very serious films or historical films they're, they're they're based they're based on uh something historical and uh true events uh and it doesn't mean i don't like the comedy or whatnot but more the serious person uh the mm -hmm. more of the serious movies and uh that does kind of fit my personality to some degree um but going to the tv shows jt um i'm just going to go through these real quick uh number five uh mine hunter um i've watched a lot of that with ben dyer uh, me and him actually watched a ton of mine hunter together uh, David Fincher um, is uh, the creator of Mindhunter. He's the one that did House of Cards. Um, and uh, really, it's about that behavioral science uh, department being formed in the late 70s by law enforcement and uh, really coining the phrase serial killer. Um, it only lasted mm -hmm. two seasons, which was a really shame because Mindhunter was awesome. I was so disappointed when they got rid of it. Um, yeah, I've Game actually seen some, some, some stuff where people have talked about them really putting pressure on to bring that series back. And I loved Mindhunter, too. So I would love to see them actually bring that back. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones, number four. That'd be one of the more fictional shows that I actually really, really liked. Uh, again, um, the majority of them are actually going to be, you know, uh, going to be something based on true events. That's why I love it. Number three, Chernobyl. Um, that came out uh, on HBO, I want to say back in 2020, 2021, somewhere around there, I'm guessing. Uh, but Jared Harris, who actually uh, uh, plays the, uh, the the main scientist there that really kind of falls on the sword, so to speak, uh, for the uh, for the Russian government or, or the, the Soviet Union government um, regarding the meltdown of Chernobyl in 1986. Um, that was probably i go back and forth between my top three of that maybe being the best tv series of all time um i'm sure you've seen it jt it yep nothing absolutely. short of amazing um band of brothers i watch band of brothers probably twice a year um and, and usually it's around the fourth of july and usually again around in december um i'll i'll re-watch the entire series um and i will go back and actually watch documentaries on it as well i uh, can't get enough of band of brothers love the world war ii the european theater um, I did watch the Pacific. Uh, that is also, you know, obviously the, the Pacific theater during World War II as well. Uh, not as good, but pretty good. Just more brutal. Uh, the Pacific was, um, and uh, of course, number one, um, Breaking Bad. So, uh, and in Better Call Saul to kind of uh, the tie to that as well. But uh, uh, that is my top five in TV. 
Yeah, I actually was just getting ready to pull my list and realize it got erased. But I will go off the cuff anyway because I know Breaking Bad was in mine. I love Breaking Bad, one of my all-time favorite shows. Loved Better Call Saul too. Game of Thrones. I'm not usually a huge like fantasy person, but I thought like Game medieval of Thrones, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I thought Game of Thrones was great because it got it got. I like medieval stuff, so I thought like it, it really kind of mixed in well. So I was always a big fan of that. My my number one all time show is the shield. My buddy, yeah. Brandon Orsati, uh, we lived next to each other in college at Syracuse university. He turned me on to that show and loved it. Absolutely. It's about a special unit cops in, in a, it's a fictional town, but it's basically outside of LA. It, the shield was my all time favorite show. Love the shield. Uh, my second all time favorite uh, TV show was the wire. Absolutely yeah. love the wire on HBO. It was one of those shows that it frustrated you and made you mad a lot because it basically looked at society as we live now. Uh, it was a frustrating show, but it was so realistic and so true to life. I love that show. Like I said, breaking bad was in there uh, as well for me. Uh, one that's a little more of a, a off the beaten path, a little more of a teeny bopper, I guess, show, but a show that I loved was Friday Night Lights. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved Friday Night Lights. I loved the movie, read the book, and then when they actually came out with the, the TV show, uh, back when that show came out, I was still coaching high school football, so people would always give me crap because I was Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Uh, they are <laughs> like, ah, Coach Taylor. So, it was like, it, so that was one of my uh, all-time favorites. So those ones, for me, uh, the same thing. We're all up there. Probably my my one of my favorite shows that was just like a feel good, easy going show that wasn't too in depth was Entourage. I loved mm-hmm. Entourage uh, on, on HBO. Uh, like you said, Banner Brothers was one of my favorite. And then I was a, I was a big fan of, of The Sopranos as well. Uh, back in the day, a lot of those HBO shows. Uh, Dexter was another one of mine that I was like, I really got into Dexter. So it was so hard. It's so hard to pick like five of them because, like, is. I was looking at your list and I was like, oh man, I like that stuff. I was like, I'm like, I like this. I like that. I was like, oh. So, but yeah, we just kind of like giving you an idea of like our opinions, kind of stuff we like uh, before we jumped into this thing uh, called the Cocaine Bear. So let's break it down. Tell us, get, get, give us the ins and outs of this movie, kind of how it came to pass, uh, some of the details. Yeah, so I, I knew it was based uh, uh, loosely on a true story, all right? So as ridiculous as uh, it was promoted and uh, produced uh, as, as, as a uh, theatrical movie, um, it is technically loosely based on a true uh, story. Uh, back in, I'd say, December of 1985, um, there was a plane crash uh, and uh, a plane that was flown by a guy named Drew Thornton. Uh, Andrew Thornton, he goes by Drew Thornton, ended up being a convicted drug smuggler, Drew Thornton was. And uh, he died uh, on this plane crash. And But from what we've gathered, um, and by actually reading a couple articles online, listening to a couple other podcasts and stuff, it's interesting about this Drew Thornton guy. Um, Drew Thornton, um, was a paratrooper in the mid '60s, and uh, when we, uh, the United States, actually invaded the Dominican Republic, which JT, I'm a big history buff. I had no idea that ever happened. <laughs> so I, I knew about the Bay of Pigs and going into Cuba, but I did not no, know we I actually never invaded knew we did the Dominican that either, Republic. So. 
so so this was a guy that actually he's a paratrooper he actually knew what it was like to actually jump out of an airplane you know he's a seasoned veteran uh doing it um so bottom line is his plane crashes it was said that he was found with a large gash over his head um when he actually now that could have happened by him landing on something in the forest uh it could have uh happened any time but you'll see kind of in and we'll talk about this here in the movie they portray it in the movie as if he's this kind of clumsy and kind of high on life and really just jumps out of the plane with a bunch of 70s and 80s music going on in the background and he actually hits his head on the uh, uh on on the door um on the out, outside yep. door of the plane actually as he's going out which again is kind of cool with this movie because you would think that's ridiculous that's just kind of a comedy spoof horror film and but they did their homework. That was actually a theory of what actually happened to him. They said, you know what? We'll just take this. We'll run with it. We'll make a comedy out of it. And I think they did a great job with the, with the music on in the background. You know, the, the first act of him actually uh, jumping out of the plane. Um, but I will say, uh, JT, uh, uh, in real life, uh, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, they found the bear. And uh, they actually found a bear. They found about 40 empty plastic containers, which actually had traces of drugs in it because they tested it. And it, they proved that the bear had ingested some cocaine. All right. So how much we don't know. And I actually even did a little bit of first, uh, digging on the internet as well. And they said the bear, it's actually that exact bear stuff. Now it's on display at the Kentucky fun mall in Lexington. <laughs> so, um, crazy <laughs> yeah, I mean, just ridiculous stuff like that, but this Drew Thornton guy, he, he came up, um, as a, uh, paratrooper. Then he actually was a cop. And become a crooked cop, uh, where he would actually in a, in a drug units confiscate the drugs, but then go ahead and take the drugs and selling drugs on the side, mainly marijuana. Then he actually kind of got bigger and bigger and actually got involved uh, with smuggling drugs from South America and specifically to Lexington, Kentucky. That's that's where his that's where their his ground was to actually sell drugs and uh, in the mid eighties. So again. Loosely inspired, but I think they did a good job of that opening yeah, scene. If if you're looking to really like delve deep into the real story of this, look up Bluegrass Conspiracy. Bluegrass Conspiracy is where they looked into it. It was a drug uh ring run by some cops and some higher known people in political office in Kentucky that was running all the way through Kentucky, Tennessee into West Virginia in the mountains. So if you're lo looking to see kind of like the real life story, a lot of these guys were really connected high up in the government, new people, pretty interesting stories. So obviously they, they loosely based this movie on that. Uh, but if you're really looking into kind of what's going on there, I uh, know some people from Kentucky that were around during this time and they knew some of these guys like personally and they had some crazy stories. I won't, I'm going to tell their stories because I don't have permission, but they told me some crazy stories about these guys and partying and all the stuff they used to do back in Lexington, Kentucky back in the day. So, but look up the bluegrass conspiracy. If you want to see like a little more about, you know, in depth about how they kind of worked and how things, uh, how things were. Cause like really where this thing happened was kind of the end of that. This was like kind of what brought them all down. And then anybody who survived and got past at this point was this is when they got arrested and things kind of like uh, definitely hit the end point for those guys. So, but uh, pretty interesting. Um, we'll get into the bear. Like I said, in the movie, the bear is a killer bear who gets addicted to cocaine, but in real life and ingested a ton of cocaine and just died. Uh, but it's a lot more fun to say 
it's a killer cocaine bear. Like, right? I mean, that's so much well, that's so much more interesting than just a bear ingesting cocaine and dying. Yeah, JT. So uh, some like movies to this. All right. So Sharknado uh, is is a movie that's kind of in the same genre, the same wavelength as as a movie like this. I thought about Tremors. Um, I actually thought about Evil Dead, 1981. You know, just the ridiculousness of it, the comedy aspect of it, but also really, really well done. And most stories or most movies like this, they don't have a very large budget. This one actually had a $30 million budget. It made $90 million worldwide. And most of that budget was actually used for the CGI of the bear itself, of course. You know, but... Most movies that are kind of quote unquote that spoof movie, they don't go into the detail of actually portraying a character like Drew Thornton coming out of the plane like they did from the very beginning. But this movie did it, you know. So I would say as we go through this podcast, we understand that this movie is ridiculous, but it was a lot of whole lot of fun, but Absolutely. also too ridiculous in the fact they actually did their homework and they portrayed it as well as they actually could. So I, I thought that's I where this they movie did a great won. job. I agree. I thought that's where this movie won. You knew it was yeah. going to be ridiculous. You knew it was going to be out of control, but I thought they just really embraced it. They embraced it and they went full fledged into it. And usually the CGI and stuff is what ends up burying these movies, but they yeah. did an awesome job with the bear. I mean, I, I thought they, <laughs> the, the bear work was phenomenal. The bear was great. The little, some of the little details that the bear did was just cracked me up. So I thought that was huge. And, and like you said, usually something like this is like a crazy idea. They have zero budget. They had great actors in this movie. They, really like, did. they set it up really well. I know people who are like, that movie was, was really dumb. And I'm like, I thought that dumb. movie was amazing because <laughs> it was supposed to be dumb. And they full fledged just accepted that this is the most ridiculous concept. And we're just going to go all out. And I thought, I actually thought they nailed it. I don't want to give it yeah. away, you know, the too much of the end. But I mean, I, I, when we went and saw this movie, I was like, man, I thought they did a great job. Yeah, and JT, before we get into the actors here, what is, and, and then the uh, review of the movie, um, for a, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, we'll actually give a disclaimer here and say, hey, we're going to spoil the crap out of this movie. Okay, so, I mean, if you haven't seen this, you don't want to actually be spoiled, go ahead and turn out the podcast now. Go watch Cocaine Bear and then come back and listen to the podcast. But for the sake of, uh, you know, reviewing this and reviewing it in detail, we're going to go into full-blown spoiler on this, but... Well, these actors, um, they're so I, I recognize the main the, the mom actress, Carrie Russell. She plays Carrie Russell Felicity, dude. Yeah, Felicity, see, I when Felicity. I was in college, was yeah. like the was the show everybody got together. I think it was like Thursday nights and watch Felicity. I had a total crush on Carrie Russell when I was in college. Uh, she did a great job, yeah. Uh, the, for me, the best actor actress in this entire film was margot martindale uh, playing ranger liz she was she dude she crushed is it an she amazing, was amazing awesome. she's an amazing actress uh i remembered her from secretariat uh playing the uh uh, the, the financial bookkeeper, you know, for the for the horse farm and uh, for, for the horse stable um, there in Secretariat, you know, she can play that serious role. She can be kind of funny. She can also be downright scary and downright horrible like she was and justified in the Americans oh, and even yep. Million Dollar Baby playing the mom. 
of uh, of Hillary Swank. She was awful person in that. She can do about anything. She was the best thing that happened to this movie, in my opinion. Dude, a lot of the best scenes were her. A lot of the best scenes were her. Like when I, I'm going back and I rewatched it, I was like taking notes. I was like, she was like perfect for that role as an '80s forest preserve person. That's like somehow they let carry a gun, but you're like, how in the world did she ever pass anything that allowed her to carry a weapon? Uh, it was just oh, it, it was it was phenomenal. But it's like you think about it too. You're like, oh, that's the '80s. Were they even like really well, thinking about that in the eighties? Like, should we I want to mention that firearms? <laughs> yeah, so we'll get into that. And I think as we go through this review, everybody needs to keep in mind that was another reason why I love this film so much is the fact that it has that eighties nostalgia down perfect. I mean, it's oh, exactly how things would have actually happened in the eighties. The kids act like just that we would have actually ab- happened to act at that age at ten years old. You know, wherever it may have been, and in, in, in the mid eighties as well. I mean, so the setting was absolutely perfect to that. Um, uh, there is a Alan um, Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich plays Eddie in this, and this would be Ray Liotta's son. Um, and Ray Liotta's in this as well. Uh, he plays a character by the name of Sid. They they run a drug business, all right? So they're in a business of actually uh, uh, smuggling and actually selling drugs. So uh, Sid is that kind of quote-unquote drug lord so to speak i don't know exactly how big he is but he's way up there his son eddie and actually best friend o'shea jackson jr playing david that's ice cubes kid um you know from straight out of compton those guys were hilarious those guys were hilarious in this movie but again they played, were such they an odd it. couple of like best friends like yeah. They were such an odd couple because, like, <laughs> the, the drug lord's son is like, doesn't want to be a drug lord, wants to get out. He's like in a bad relationship. He's like crying half the, the, the movie, yeah. listening yeah. to sad 80s songs. And then O'Shea's just like, man, get it together. He's like, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. He's like, why? He's like, you're a drug dealer. He's like, but you're a drug dealer. It's like, it's like, it's so, it's so ridiculous. He's like, we're best friends, but I don't want to hang out with people like you anymore. <laughs> Like, but you're oh, like me. It's, it's, oh man, he crushed it in that role too. Uh, there's so many things I want to say about some of the stuff he did. We'll, we'll get to it here as we go along. Yeah. And, and the last main character to mention is Isaiah Whitlock Jr. And JT, you being a big wire fan, you would have recognized him, Detective Bob. Amazing. Um, he plays that corrupt state senator, Clay Davis. <laughs> That's his famous line for the wire. Uh, He's the best, dude. He is the best. He cracked me up in the wire. He was great in this movie. He was like that random cop who like kind of pays attention over the hills, like single, like trying to find anyone to spend time with. It, it, It was a great role for him. Yeah, yeah, and then and then lastly mentioned Ray Liotta. Um, so uh, he uh did his uh his acting um. His, his lines here, his shots, and then shortly after that, like I, I think before the movie was actually even released, he had passed away. So, and I don't know the timing of whatnot, but I don't believe he actually lived to see the uh, release of this movie. Um, so, yeah, he but definitely, that, who, uh, who better yeah. to actually play a part like that, right? Yeah, it just it totally reminded me. I'm like just thinking about some of the movies he's been like a gangster in, and like I'm like. I'm like, this is classic. He's an eighties drug dealer. I'm like, this is so Ray Liotta. It's, it was, it was phenomenal. 
So JT, getting into the movie here. Um, so one of the uh, one of the acts early on that I really want to talk about. They they kind of open up with it's a random couple, but I believe uh, the the guy who actually was playing the quote unquote new husband in here in this random couple, um, and the new wife. They were actually out hiking in the woods. Was that the guy from Office Space with a stapler? Yes, yes, it was. Okay, okay. He, he had like a fake beard on and different hair and thing, but yeah. that's him. But dude, this part, I just went to Yellowstone this last summer and people were ridiculous. You always see those Yellowstone videos of people like getting mauled and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like those are live animals. They're going to destroy you. And people are just like, I saw people with my own eyes, get out of their car, walk up to a bear with a video camera. I'm like, what? what are you doing? And people do that. They're stupid. I mean, I saw some people. I'm like, these people are going to die. We're going to see them on the news later. I mean, literally walking up to bears in the forest and taking pictures from like 20 feet away. So when this first like scene comes up and they're like, Oh, it's a bear. Let's take pictures. And all of a sudden he's like, that bear looks like something's wrong with it. And they're like, Oh no. Oh no, what do we do? It's like as the bear starts coming towards them, I'm like, yes, these are wild animals, people. What are you doing? And it's just so reminding me, everyone at Yellowstone just walking up, getting out of their car, looking at a bison. And I'm like, that buffalo is gonna run you over and kill you. Have you not seen videos before? Like, and people just like they think it's a petting zoo. It yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, and they they kind of portrayed that as well uh, in this, and I and I love again. You just talked about that commonality of people just really not taking nature seriously, and they played on that in this movie. And I thought it was great that way that they were almost saying what you said and pointing that out. Let's say let's look at how ridiculous people are, and let's just go ahead and play off that here in this first scene. And she doesn't really take it too seriously. The bear absolutely mauls her to the point where it's ridiculous. And I think this thing that's great. That's that comedy horror aspect we have there. But the best part about this act here is the bear just happens to just throw the leg backwards towards the husband. And just and that in itself is stupid. It's completely stupid. Yeah, it, just, it just ends up right by his head. You're like, the bear's not throwing it. But it's, it's so great because you're just like, oh, okay, here, this is what we're getting. Like, they came at yes. you right first act. They're like, we're not messing around. We're giving you random, funny comedy horror gore. It was like, we're ripping this chick's leg off and throwing it at her husband. It, yeah. I was like, or I was like, all right, toast. Buckle up. Here we go. This is what we're getting. Yeah, and I do remember actually going to the movie that night with you guys, and uh, that, that that was awesome. And uh, really, right after the uh, the leg is thrown back, uh, the bear happens to just see a butterfly. It's basically telling the audience, this bear is high as hell, okay? Uh, let's just go with it, and we're like, I, I love that. That's absolutely he's just, like, great. Around, he's like, oh, oh, like totally losing, like, uh, he's like, oh, I was just killing people. But like, oh, look at that butterfly. That's what I'm saying. Like, some of the little things they did with the bear, I was like, genius. You know, like little something like that. This this bear's mauling, killing someone. And all of a sudden, it's like, ooh, look at the pretty butterfly. I'm going to look at that instead. Oh my god! It was just, it was hilarious. So we we mentioned uh, Ray Liotta's um, role in this, kind of being that drug lord, that the kingpin there, and um, um, sending really his son, um, and as well as uh, son's best friend, uh, Ice Cube's kid, uh, there um, to. Hey, you need to re- you need to re- recover the cocaine. I need you to go there. A place called Blood Mountain in Tennessee. 
And I'm not sure if that's exactly where they were actually found. I want to say they were actually in Georgia, but nevertheless, I don't know. Um, I think I think in real life, they actually found most of the cocaine in Georgia. It was like the flight. They were supposed to drop it off and some issues happened. It ended up getting spread out everywhere. Now, these guys originally were from Kentucky that were running this. But like I said, it was a multi-state thing where they were running drugs. I think officially they were actually in Georgia real life. Okay. Okay. Um, fast forward just a little bit. I want to talk about a scene, uh, early on, uh, where it introduces, uh, um, uh, Siri, um, her daughter, um, Dee, Dee and her friend Henry. So the reason why this entire relationship and all of their scenes is so real, and we kind of mentioned it before, because it's just like we would have acted back in the mid eighties. Uh, Hey, they're, they're deciding they're going to ditch school. She wants to actually go up to the mountain, find a waterfall, do some painting, tells the kid he's got to come along. They're both skipping school. They're acting like fools. And what do they actually do on the way? They come across a block of Coke. So, JT, like what would you have done if you would have come across? And that's not saying you would have done any. I just have to tell you. But you would have done something stupid as a kid, right? Oh, this is like one of my absolute favorite scenes in the whole movie. Like, I usually think that kid actors are annoying in so many movies. I have to be honest. I think they're just like, they kill me in most of them. The two kids in this movie might have been my favorite characters. They were absolutely hysterical, and they were so 80s kids. I was like, that was us in the 80s. You know, you didn't think about, like, consequences. You didn't think about anything else. Just like, oh, what? Like, she's like, her mom was like, we're going to do this. She's like, you promised we're going to go paint the waterfall. She's like, I'm going to my boyfriend's, you know, band's show. And she's like, band. Oh, I'm yeah. skipping school. Then I'm going to go do it with my friend, you know? And like, she's bossing him around, you know, totally acting like 80s kids. Like no one's paying attention. I'm exactly 80s parents. No one was paying attention to you. Like mom just went off and did her yep. thing. The kids are like, oh, yeah, get yourself to school. Figure it out. And they're like, yeah, we're just not going today. Dude, they come across this block of cocaine. And the little boy, classic little boy who's trying to, like, impress the girl he's totally into, was like, oh, yeah, cocaine. <laughs> I do cocaine all the time. She's like, I've never seen you do cocaine. He's like, well, that's because you're not cool enough to hang out with me and my friends that do cocaine. And you're like, you're like, this kid's totally full of shit. But it's yeah. hilarious because he's like, he's like really trying to sell it. And then she's like, well do it then he's like well this is not usually the time i do it like <laughs> it's so funny it's like such a client like oh no i do that and then they're like trying it's like in the 80s you would have known probably what cocaine was but you wouldn't know anything about it you like heard the word you know what well, I'm you, saying? Yeah, and you would have. These kids are like these are like they're like. How do you do it? Like they're like. I'm like that's what that would have been us as kids. If you would have came across a bunch of drugs, I don't care if it was cocaine, marijuana. You'd have been like, if you're 10 or 12 years old, you'd have been like, huh? I okay, I kind of know what this is, maybe, but I've probably never seen it in real life, and I don't know how to do it. And they start eating it because they don't. They don't know how they don't know you're supposed to stiff and they don't have any freaking clue. Because if you're 12 years old, would you ever think like I'm gonna stiff something up my nose? You would no. never think of that. No, you would uh, never think of that. So it's hilarious because they're just like they're like, I guess I'll eat it, and then they eat it and they're like, Oh my god, this is horrible. It's like so one of the 
yeah, it's and, so and, freaking hilarious, dude. It's like one of the, my favorite scenes of the whole movie. It's absolutely was, cracks me up. This was a great scene in the movie, and the reason I liked it so much is because we talk about that '80s nostalgia, and there was such a big in the mid '80s a drug push as far as say no to drugs and you know with nancy reagan on commercials and stuff oh, or yeah. the the hey the frying an egg and egg in, in, in the pan hey this is your brain is your brain on drugs any questions so if we would have come across something like that we would have had an idea of what it was but i think one of the lines they actually inserted in here and i think they had either henry or dd actually say that they knew it was drugs right away because they actually learned about it, and they said it in a school assembly, which I just yeah, thought exactly. was freaking hilarious. If they like, didn't bring that, it up honestly, in school, they would have had no clue. They would have had no clue what yeah. those drugs were unless they brought it up during school. And I also laughed because, like, if you there's one scene inside the forest preserve where they have a sign up, like in the corner, you can barely see it, but it says "Say No to Drugs." It has like the '80s saying, no. "I was like, yeah, that's awesome." Like, you know, everybody who grew up in the '80s remembers the "Say No to Drugs." like signs and all the stuff but it's so funny so they start eating the coke and they're just like they don't know what to do they're like because again they're like they're like 12 years old 10 12 years old they're like is this gonna hurt me like you know they obviously never did anything they're like am i gonna die am i fine am i like gonna flip out or am i gonna be okay there's no freaking clue how to react as anyone would be in that situation at that age. If you just took a bunch of drugs and you had no idea what you're doing. It's just hilarious. And then they're like, they're like start kind of freaking out, but they're like, not sure if they're freaking out. They're like, am I freaking out? Like, cause they don't know what's going on. So funny. And, and again, oh, we uh, actually got a uh, toast. We got a little, we got a comment here from yeah. our friend. Mike it says toast. Those was your caffeine overdose somewhere to doing cocaine, you think? Well, I, I, I will say, and this is the God honest truth, I've actually never seen a hard drug in my life. I've never seen one um, anywhere, but I can tell you that, yes, I did actually overdose on caffeine on my way down with my family uh, to Florida uh, driving a 12-hour trip, and I literally had to go to the clinic uh, to have be given some Ambien. That way I could go ahead and sleep it off. There's that really actually happened. You were probably like you. Well, oh, you're not a big caffeine person. You were probably losing it. Uh, it was bad. Um, and what did my wife and kids do? They dropped me off at the clinic and they went to the beach. They like we don't have any time for this. So uh, I still like, <laughs> like we're on vacation. You <laughs> yeah. figure it out, Dad. That's yeah. that is such yeah. a family thing to do. Is like, hey, Dad doesn't feel good. Drop him off. We're going. If Mom That's- doesn't do it, we all have to stay here. We cannot yes. leave because mom, like you can never leave mom. It's such a freaking classic thing with dad. We got one more from Mike. One more comment says, also, last question. Do you think a wolf on Coke could kill a sober bear? All right. So, hey, uh, Mike, let's table that question till the end. Because <laughs> I'm gonna we'll have to talk think about, about that, that one later. <laughs> All right. So, hey, with the kids, so bear shows up, and they find out right away the bear's been the coke, right? I mean, it, it's it it's so funny. It's, it's like covered like, in white powder. They just realize it real quick. They're like, "I think that that oh that bear's on coke." Like they like immediately. It's not like oh, do you think they're like oh oh that that something's wrong with that bear? It definitely did coke. I tell you what, my favorite bear moment of this movie was when the bear just had coke all over its face. Yeah. And the kids are like staring at it because it's like right in front of them. They're like freaking out. And the kid's like, uh, and he like actually sniffs in the coke accidentally and he sneezes. 
and the bear yep. sneezes and sneezes coke all over their faces <laughs> and they freak out and they scream and go running that was like one of the funniest scenes ever like that was when i was like oh the cgi in this was legit because that yeah. was hilarious and it looked awesome when the bears accidentally sniffed in the extra coke and then sneezed all over them, it was just a huge powder cloud of dust all over the kids. I was dying. That was so funny. Well, and uh, so JT, at, let's let's fast forward here a little bit um, to, you know, uh, Dee Dee's mom gets worried. She decides she's going to go ahead and and she has an idea. She went uh, to the mountain um, and uh, decided, hey. She's gonna go ahead and go towards a welcome center where uh, where Ranger Liz is at, where Margot Martindale is at, and Margot Martindale is there at the welcome center. Like you said, it's kind of her job to be there. She's dealing with a, like a gang of hoods. I would actually call them a bunch of hoods from the mid eighties. That's what we actually referred to like a hood, like a hoodlum, right? And it was so funny. Like you know, she's dealing with this kid. The kid's stealing stuff. She has a good idea. Is actually stealing stuff. The uh, the wildlife inspector shows up. They start to ford a little bit, and then they leave. And she basically says, "You know what? If it wasn't for those gang of kids, I would have been at Yellowstone by now. You know, I would have been running Yellowstone by now." But they're a they're. She called them. They're holding uh, me down. Uh, she called them a gang of pubes, and I just thought that was. I mean, the writing was hilarious. I mean, that, that that's amazing. It fit her character perfect. Absolutely perfect. It was so funny because then she gets jealous and then uh, Carrie Russell shows up in her classic all eighty jumpsuit, all pink jumpsuit that was like, I swear my mom had that exact freaking outfit. I think she did. I I saw Carrie Russell in that outfit and I was like, is my mom in this movie? I'm like, (laughs) oh, I mean, it was my mom from the 80s. I was like, this is hilarious. And then she's so jealous. She's so jealous of like the cute young mom it's so funny it cracks me up oh yeah and she definitely is crushing on the wildlife uh, and uh inspector and they're ridiculous together they're absolutely ridiculous <laughs> um uh, but so talking so let's let's talk about more then so they decide hey we need to go find the kids all right so the park ranger the wildlife inspector uh siri the mom uh, they all decided hey they gotta go find the kids and this is one of the funniest parts because they, they do run into the bear and they happen to see Henry up in up in a tree. What is hilarious is the, is the the wildlife inspector. He's wearing like a hanky around his neck, you know, in case he like sweats or something. It, it's just the way his costume design and everything was over the top as well. Just stupid. Yeah, um, so ridiculously eighties. It, it was hilarious. Yeah, this is one of the funniest. Uh, this is where. Park Ranger Liz absolutely gets mauled by the bear. This is when and the movie takes off. This is when the yes, movie absolutely 45 takes minute mark. Off. It's like, yeah, you're right. 45 minute mark. This movie just gets wild. <laughs> this is when the bear is just like on everybody. They look at the kid. He's up the tree. Classic 80 parents. They're like, yes. What are you doing up there? He's like, you got to get away. Get it. You got to get out of here. And they're like, what are you talking about? Because, of course, you know, 80s parents didn't believe anything we were saying at any no. times. We were all full of it. And there's he's like, you got to get out of there. And the, the best part is, is like, he's like, 
the bears on cocaine and they're just like what like they have no idea they're like <laughs> i mean just imagine like a 10 12 year old kid just like is in a tree and his first comment to you is you're like why are you up there he's like the bears on cocaine and you're like <laughs> What? What kind of common law bears on cocaine? Are you? Did I hear that right? Like, what are you talking about? And then, like, two seconds later, the bear shows up, and they're like, "Oh, we fucked." They're like, "Oh, what's going on?" And they he just starts mauling everybody. Everybody, it's freaking phenomenal. Yeah, it, one of the best parts of this scene is that uh, Ranger Liz ends up with a the biggest, most ridiculous laceration right in her ass that you've right. ever seen in your just life like, from a, just I mean, like right down it is so funny yeah a huge and it, and then the wildlife inspector who happens to also climb up a tree he's covered in cocaine because of all of this commotion it's actually happened with the bear the bear smells it he's like i'm going up that tree i mean that kill honestly is oh, a good kill, kill if you're actually just so, so so they they give you a good kill horror but they make it funny but the kill itself was actually really really good and then they get a little ridiculous at the end the impaled arm of the of the inspector falls to the ground the bear comes down a tree and does a line off the arm <laughs> like just again that's that's them telling the audience like again that was a great kill let's throw some more i mean it's just what you'd want to see just what you'd want to see. I mean, I, I can't say enough about this movie. For ridiculous, cheesy, over-the-top comedy horror, it was perfectly executed, was, in my opinion. Dude, well, I, mean, I laugh because like he, he climbs up the tree, right? He like runs up the tree as soon as he's like, oh, we're screwed. Like, oh, the kid's smart. We should go through. And he looks over in the kid, and he's like, the kid's like, we're good, right? Bears can't climb trees. He goes, oh, no, bears can climb trees. And, like, immediately the bears sprinting up there after him. You're like, oh, this is a bad idea. And then my, my, part, of my part of my favorite part of that scene before that happens, after Liz gets mauled, she's laying on the ground backwards with a pistol, and she just inexplicably starts firing. Yep. And no, just firing. Just, and, and like... The dude, the other guy's like, "What you're shooting at me?" She's like, "No, I'm shooting at the bear." He's like, "It's like going on because she's like not even aiming. She doesn't even yeah. see the bear. She's just literally just pulling off rounds with moms and kids. Everybody just and she's like not even thinking about just just literally unloading rounds." I was like, "That is ridiculous." But, but so the reason I think it's like great, it's great writing, is because JT, I could have seen her actually having a gun. In the 80s and not being properly cha- trained and actually having oh, a gun. Oh, absolutely. At in the a, 80s, they would have thought about that. Like, yeah, you like have that. a gun. Yeah, dude, d- regulations in the 80s? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, oh, so you could have a gun. And, dude, in, in that situation, of course she's going to just lose and start firing. Like, you're not going to think about, like, oh, am I going to hit this kid? What about him? She's like, I'm shooting at everything. Anything that moves, she was just shooting at it was freaking phenomenal. Well, uh, fast forward and maybe another uh, at the one hour mark, somewhere around there. Um, they, they all find their way. When I say they all do, uh, Ranger Liz, uh, is Siri, the mom, um, and Henry, and all, a couple of the hoodlums, they find their way back to the Welcome Center. The bears chase them back there. Um, and really, they're in bad shape. Um, and so what, what I think is great is 
they call an ambulance. The Rangers, like Ranger Liz, Margot Martindale's like, we're calling an ambulance. And it, they find out later when the ambulance driver shows up, she called in a concussion, which is just ridiculous in itself because given who she actually called it in for, I mean, a concussion, a blow to the head, or, or it's just funny. This is this is funny why, why she would actually do that. So these paramedics shows up, and this is kind of after a showdown with the bear. And it's funny because in Halloween, one of my favorite movies, uh, they put a uh, they put a lamp on Michael's face near the end of the uh, of the movie to kind of light his face up and kind of give him a little bit of light in the background as he's pursuing Laurie Strode. And they kind of did something similar with the bear. They lit up the face. They kind of illuminated them, showed them like that. So they're even kind of stealing the old horror movie tropes out of there. But yep. honestly, it was really, really good. And and one of the best parts of this entire scene when the ambulance, uh, the, the two, the guy and girl paramedic shows up, with, they're absolutely off the hook. They're they're well, they're not prepared at all. No, they're like they're like they have no idea what they're stepping into. So so what I liked about this this one was she had a stethoscope on checking Ranger Ranger Liz and she's barely breathing at all and she's trying to say bear but she's saying bah, bah. and you're hearing that pff, pff, you know right in the stethoscope which think about if this was a serious horror film or a psychological thriller that would kind of be scary all right yeah. so they actually ha- and then then um, they she finally uh, with with that uh, that stethoscope she starts to increase her breathing when the bear starts to move, which again gives you that climatic, uh, you know, um, part of the show that you're actually looking for. You you know it's being increased, even though this was a spoof horror moment. They did really good with that. I think that, that was that was just good writing in my opinion. Yeah, I liked it. The one thing I have to go back just a hair before that that I have to mention because I thought this was just a great part was all the troublemaker kids end up in the cabin and she's like it's a wild bear loose like she's like losing it like she's like by herself at this point liz is like i don't care about anyone else i'm saving myself she like gets back there the the kids are there she gets all set hands up ready to fire and tells him open the door open the door and he's like what she's like just open the door he opens the door and she's gonna fire and kill the bear at the door she blows the dude's head off from behind because he's a terrible shot it's like the most she also is like boom and he's just like i was like that takes the whole side of his face off yeah whole side of his face off (laughs) I'm like this. I was like, dude, that part was amazing. I was like, that is a horror spoof. Great. She's like, oh, I mean, you could you seen it? You've been seeing her shoot wildly the whole time. Yes. I mean, with yes. zero accuracy. And if she would have actually like put one right in the middle of the like middle of the eyes of the bear, you've been like, no freaking way. And they like they built on that. They're like, yeah, she's a terrible shot. You can tell she's probably never shot a gun before, even though she has one. And yep. then she just lights this dude up from behind. It, I was like, oh, and she's like, oh, shit. She's like, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> it's like, I was, that part absolutely had me rolling, even though I mean, sorry, the kid died, but I was like, that's that, because that's exactly how it, I would have expected that to go. Like, yeah. oh, open the door. I'm going to shoot past you and kill the bear. Oh, no, I'm going to shoot you in the back of the head before the bear can actually maul you. 
hey, Bear was on a rampage. You know, it was it was it was on a high. Uh, it really wasn't feeling a whole lot. It was willing to do about anything. Um, and really, that that kind of leads to that next act where they finally get Ranger Liz loaded up in the ambulance, really with the bear and foot chasing. And uh, to me, this was one of the not only funniest parts of the entire movie, but also too one of the best kills at all and very realistic to some degree. Uh, so bears chasing the ambulance and the driver of the ambulance, these two incapable paramedics, she lays on the brakes and that causes Liz, who is actually on a gurney to fly out of there. And she flies onto her face and her face just rubs on the pavement for a good 50 yards i mean it's so brutal it's so brutal it's just like yeah yeah and, and the guy paramedic absolutely just gets destroyed i mean it would be kind of like i was watching a rob zombie movie that's yeah. how ridiculous the gore was but if you didn't know this was a horror movie you'd be like they did that really well they really did yeah. like uh um, I think I think they had a lot of good advice on this film, a lot of good special effects. Most of these films that are spooked, you have the horror or you have the comedy, but the special effects are unbelievably cheesy. I think a lot yeah. of them were actually did well. It, they were very accurate on how they actually well, would have been portrayed. Ambulance, when the ambulance wrecks and she like so just thrown the out actual the window? driver doesn't get killed. She ends up hitting tree tree because like the bears in the ambulance like and killing the dude behind it she's like freaking out she ends up hitting a tree and goes flying out the windshield and you could see her body like roll on the ground you're like oh that was like pretty accurate it like it looked like real you know it wasn't like it didn't look cheesy at all i was like oh that was like pretty good uh and, and that's what i was saying on stuff like that i was like man for i love the fact that they like they embrace the cheesiness of it. They embrace the cheesiness of the eighties, but like everything else was like pretty on point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was. And uh, so before we kind of go to the last scene here and uh, really wrap this up, uh, we, we should talk about maybe uh, Jake and Eddie, who is uh, uh, Sid's uh, kid and his best friend. Um, and really th their interaction with the inspector, Bob, I thought was kind of funny when they all met up at the gazebo looking for the duffel bags of Coke. And they start playing the Western music in the background, you know, oh because they both have a gun, you know. It's uh, going to be the shootout, the old Western shootout. Yeah, at the OK Corral, you know, like they just, but it, 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 this ridiculousness to actually do that. Um, but also, too, Ice Cube's kid ends up getting his fingers a couple of his fingers shot off and uh by the inspector bob because they're having a shootout and it's funny because i think he blew off the pinky finger and the middle finger which even a guy pointed out they were even smart enough to ride and to, to point this out how the hell did you get those two blown off you know <laughs> he was like, like how did that happen yeah i was like that's wild like and he's sitting there and he's mad because he's wrapping up his bloodied hand with missing two fingers and he's ruining his favorite jersey, you know. Dude, so it's like, I, that was one of my favorite parts. He yeah. like had two jerseys that got messed up, and he was like, "I love this jersey." And I'm like, "That was me in the '80s." Like, I had, if you had a jersey in the '80s, yeah, 
like they were so money. hard to come by and they cost yeah. a ton of money. You're like, that's my favorite thing ever. And I'll, and I'll skip back because we skipped this briefly, but there's one scene where uh, the hoodlum kids go in the bathroom and they <laughs> like try to like rob him. Yes. And he's like, he looks at these kids like, are you shitting me? You're going to try to rob me. And they're like, give it up. Like they're, t- they're fucking punk kids. And he's like, bring it on. And they go to fight him. And he literally beats the shit out of these three kids. But one of them had a knife. And so like, he gets done with the fight. And he like, I mean, they're just, he doesn't just even realize he's a pale with a knife. He just trashes these kids. He starts looking at his Jersey, making sure his Jersey's not messed up. And he's like, Oh, he's like checking himself, making sure he's got like no stab wounds. And he's like making sure his jersey's not messed up. And then all of a sudden he looks in the mirror. Knife right in the shoulder. And he's like, you gotta be kidding me. He's so pissed. He's like, I love this jersey. It's like he's so mad they got stabbed, but he's also mad because he messed up his jersey. It's so funny. It's like classic, like 80s kids, like, we're three on one. We could take you. And they're just punk, like small kids. This guy's like, Do you know who you're messing with? He's like, I am gonna destroy the three of you. It's so, it's such a good fight scene. It's yep. just such, like, it's like the one hand to hand fight scene. It's, and, you know, you gotta have a hand to hand fight scene in that movie. I mean, you got to. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely hilarious because he just wipes the floor with these three punk kids. It's great. Yeah, yeah, and um, um, so near the end here, JT and I, I loved that sequence as well. And he even pulled out some karate moves, you know, a little bit of the '80s karate. Um, Gotta have karate in the '80s. Gotta have karate yes. in the '80s. Come on. Yep, yep. So uh, Sid does show up. Ray Liotta. It's like you know, hey, I came down here to figure out if it makes sure everything was getting taken care of. You know, and really, Mike, really, said, yeah. Mike jumps in here and says, "Nothing worse than a destroyed jersey." Mike, we hundred percent agree with you. Nothing yeah. worse than destroying your favorite jersey. Yeah. So Sid shows up. His son Eddie says, "Hey, Dad. Hey, like the bear did cocaine. Like not only as long it did it. I saw him did it. And 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 dude, Bob, he eats a one of the best brick. pictures. If you saw it in when we played it at the very beginning, the little clip of the movie when they had the preview, he eats an entire brick of cocaine. Not like kinda like." chugs it down the whole thing at once yes freaking hilarious well jt the only thing i'll say about this movie is as soon as ray Liotta showed up and again we understand it's a comedy horror spoof film we get that but it did fall a little flat for me at the end oh, um, i it, agree 100 percent. that was my it was my least favorite part of the movie i love the movie up to the ending and i just thought the ending like fell flat as could be yeah they, they it's like they, they tried they, to get real serious all of a sudden at the end and i was like uh yeah it did it, it fell flat uh they 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 all go up into the mountain they finally locate Didi, the daughter the bear had put her in the cave which was funny in itself like she would have been dead but no, it yeah, it's like the, the one. Yeah, it's like the one person the bear doesn't just maul is the daughter, and he like puts her in the cave with her cubs. Yeah, and the, that's the funny part because the cubs being up there, the cubs are actually laying in a duffel bag, and they are just covered in white powder. I mean, just absolutely. That was the first time as well. I think one of the funny parts is. I didn't realize until this part, but Henry, this, uh, the the uh, the boy that's actually been hanging out with her and actually been with the entire movie, I realized he was wearing a wrestling championship belt. 
I didn't realize that before. He's wearing a belt. I know. <laughs> I didn't see it either. It was yeah. such a small detail that was absolutely freaking hysterical. I was like, that's so perfect. I mean, 80s wrestling. If you grew up in the 80s, man, you wrestling you had a belt. Was it. Yeah, and you had a belt. Oh, yeah. yeah. NWA wrestling, AWA re- wrestling. I mean, all of the time. Uh, WWF was fairly big, uh, but NWA, National Wrestling Alliance, and AWA, the American Wrestling Alliance, was th- those were big time wrestling. Like, we watched a ton of wrestling so they nailed little details like that you know but at the end it did fall a little flat but in the end really they kind of went the goonies route in my opinion jt yep. they're in this cave it, there's it a totally waterfall uh, goonies great calls host i didn't yeah. even think about that but you're right it totally was similar to that yep yep i mean so really what ends up saving the bear at the end and the cubs it's cocaine because what happens is the bear falls off the cliff near the, um, the the waterfall. It happens to hit a little bit of a ledge. And what wakes it up? A little bit of cocaine falling out of the uh, duffel bag, lands it right on the nose, and gives it the energy it needs to actually finish a job and kill Ray Liotta. And, I mean, just, again, it, it was a little ridiculous. But, again, we understand the movie is supposed to be a little ridiculous. But even for its ridiculousness, I was a little disappointed with the ending. Yeah, the ending to me really was a downer. I thought the movie was great up to that point. I thought it really fell flat at the end. Uh, the one thing I will say, one of the, one of my favorite lines, when they were having kind of the West uh, Western showdown. Yes. And they were trying to figure out how to like get out of it. He had the cocaine on top of the gazebo, which I loved. He was like, it's a gazebo. And he's like, and he was like trying to explain it. And he's like, I know what a gazebo is. <laughs> like somewhere. And then he like, he like, he like sprinkled, he like threw a bunch of cocaine up in the air towards the, the bear. And God was like, it's like a cocaine Christmas. And it was just <laughs> okay. Like all over the bear, just like, like covering him like snow. It will. I mean, I was like, that was a great line. It was a great line. It was. it was just like the beer, just like standing up with cocaine all over. But that was funny. But yes, I agree with you 100%. I thought this movie was great, but I thought the last 10 to 15 minutes, I thought they could have had a much better ending. It, yeah, it was it was brutal. And then, of course, at the end, they're like, oh, the bears still possibly live in the woods, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you know, in real life, we know the bear died. Didn't yeah. have babies or anything but they're like so that that was the only part where i thought like the movie fell flat like you said at the very end i felt like i loved everything up until the ending and the ending to me was just very blah it seemed like super serious when everything else wasn't super serious throughout the movie yeah yeah and and one part i did like at the very end jt and then we can kind of wrap up and maybe give our ratings on what we actually rate this movie um but uh um, they did all happen to find herself back at the welcome center, all the quote unquote survivors at the end. And they were kind of playing the somber music. It was in the woods. The police were actually and the cops were coming from a distance. You could hear the sirens. Everybody, you know, it, again, that cheese factor was there, but they kind of stole from the trope and from the setting of like a Friday the 13th movie on how, how yep. everybody survived the night. They made it. They got back to the welcome center and you're still in this cabin here in this forest setting. And here comes the cavalry. Here comes the cops to kind of help out. I mean, again, I I think that's intentional 
the why they did that. It was very intentional. They just wanted to almost slap the audience in the face and be like, this is still a horror comedy. All right, don't forget yep. that's what we're doing here. Well, Toast, as we finish up the pod here, we got our buddy Ben Dyer asking, I'm taking the coked up wolf over the sober bear, which Mike asked earlier. So that's going to be our final end of the pod here. We're going to give the rating of the movie. And do we think a coked up wolf takes out a sober bear? Give us your two thoughts on those things. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, and go with the wolf. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's definitely a, a given. Um, but I'd like to see a number two of this, um, only if they're just going to do more of the same. Um, I wouldn't want it to go in a different direction where they do something new and make it ridiculous. We all are make it not as good. We know it's ridiculous and we just want more of it. It's no different than actually watching a sequel to wedding crashers or actually watching a sequel to old school. If there were one, you just want more of the same. And so I'd like to yep. kind of see a sequel of this. Um, I give it an eight out of 10. Uh, eight popcorns, JT out of ten, um, and I definitely, I I I bought this. I I, I own this on on streaming. So um, yeah, I definitely would recommend seeing it. This movie cracks me up. I love watching this movie with people who've never seen it. It's the best. Like you get friends over who had never seen you. Like, have you seen Cocaine Bear? They're like, no. It's hilarious to get people in to watch this. I've never seen it. It's so fun. So I'm with you. I'm an eight out of 10 on this. And I I thought it was great. I loved everything about it. But the ending, the ending fell flat. Other than that, I thought it was an eight. Uh, I'm also with you. I think the wolf takes the bear out. And yeah. also reason why is they're always in a pack. The wolf pack is going to take down that bear. Absolutely. So I'm in on both of those. Uh, we got one last comment from our friend Mike. He says, great pod, guys. Ben now wants to know if we can be on the next review, the second half of the new Avatar movie. Well, uh, so I, I know why Ben's <laughs> mentioned that. So, JT, remember, we all went to the Avatar movie and basically, what is a three and a half hour movie? And we fell asleep probably after hour one. So oh, yeah. I, it we was all a slept. long movie. <laughs> I, we talked about that. I was like, man, they could have cut out like half of that movie and it was still been good. It was a really long movie. Uh, but we could definitely talk about the first half of the movie. I mean, yeah. I know you guys remember that one, but uh, yeah, the second half, it was, we went to like a 1030 showing and it was late. It was yeah. a long movie, but uh, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Listen to us, our first movie review, Cocaine Bear. Toast gives us an eight out of 10. I give it an eight out of 10. I think they killed the genre. They did exactly what you would have expected. Uh, I thought it was phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Even though we gave you a lot of the spoilers, it doesn't matter. It's still funny. You're going to like it. The kids cracked me up. They were they were the stars of the movie for me. I love the kids. They were hilarious. Yep, and JT uh, and listeners, what we'll do from here on out, we're thinking that we'll go ahead and have our normal hockey, fantasy hockey podcast, along with the other uh, podcasts that J JT, you actually do on Stu with JT Brew through Dynasty Pros with the football and the fantasy football as well. But maybe once a month, every four or five episodes, we'll sneak in a movie review um, and just to kind of keep it fresh. And we're really we're doing a lot of experiment this year, you know, figuring out kind of what our what we like, what we actually don't like, you know, what everybody else, our listeners actually uh, want to hear from us and uh, finding our niche. So uh, we'll we'll continue with this cadence of every five weeks doing a movie review and uh, give us a shout out if you actually want us to review a certain movie. 
Hey, jump on. Give us a like and a comment. Tell us what movie you want Please us give to us review. A like. We'll jump in there. We'll jump in and we'll, we'll review anything. We got a lot of them on the list. But if you got something you want to hear about us uh, talk about, let us know. So we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Toast. Killing it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cocaine Bear. Check it out if you haven't seen it. It's time. I got to get out of here. I got stuff to do. I got to go to work. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for joining us on The Stew with JT Brew. Check you next time. See you guys.